Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. So I remember, I think it was about four months ago, I was preaching at a, at a church, and they did a greeting time. And usually greeting times are about four to five minutes. They greeted each other for 30 minutes. <laughs> I, was, I was like waiting. I was like, when is this going to end? They were just telling each other about their weeks. They're telling each other about their uh, their lives, what's been happening during the week. And I thought to myself that that is okay. That is because the people that are in your church, in your community, I mean, why not update them with your lives? Why not tell them what's happening in your personal life at home? Because sometimes you might just see these people on Sunday but but it's okay to be able to sh- to spend some time with each other in community to tell each other what's happening what happens if you had a bad day and someone you might need some prayer and you need to tell them and that's okay so i'm not saying next time let's take 30 to 40 minutes to greet each other but i am saying take some time to get to know each other and that is awesome so if you notice I have a mat on stage. I remember going to a church one time and the pastor said, if this is the only time that you have rest during the, during the week, take a nap. He's telling his people at his church to take a nap during service. I'm like, why is that? Because sometimes you can find rest. We find rest in the, in the presence of God. And that is awesome. But today, I really want to go ahead, come to you with a, with a saddened heart. Um, like I just said, that, that it's okay to share about personal lives. So I woke up on Saturday, and I have my phone on Do Not Disturb because, you know, I don't want to be disturbed when I'm asleep. And I woke up from, I got a call, I got five missed calls from my mom. And my mom lives in Charleston, South Carolina, so she couldn't just come in my room to wake me up or anything like that. And and I called her, and she was crying. She said, Jeff, last on Friday night, your grandmother passed. She had a heart attack, and, and um, she just passed away. And... So I just come with a, a saddened heart, and I just want you guys to know that. That's where I'm at. I mean, I just lost a, another loved one. I lost two loved ones in a matter of less than two years. And, and yesterday, I was praying to God. I was, I was writing down my prayers. I write down my prayers like I showed you guys last week. Is that I, I, I said at, at the beginning, I said, thank you, God, um, for who you are. And it took me, it took me, it took me two minutes to even write down, you are a good God. Because it's, for me, it's like, my dad's gone, my grandmother's gone, how can I really call you a good God in this moment? And I really had to really take a time to really say he is a good God, even if even if we are in tribulations, even if we're in the midst of a storm, 
our God is still good. Our God is still good. And so just before we get going, I just want to tell you guys a, I have, so when I got to speak to junior hires, I, I was a junior high pastor before this, and I used to teach them a few things. One thing I used to teach them is how to expect God. As in, we know what expecting means. As in, we are hoping, we are hoping that God shows up. We're expecting God to move in our lives. So this morning, I want to eat, I want to ask each and every one of you, are you coming to church today with an expectant heart? Expecting God to move in your lives. Because here's the thing. Every time the, the word of God is spoke, is spoken, someone's heart is changed. As long as you're willing to listen. As long as you're expecting God to move in your lives. So to this morning, I'm asking you to have an expectant heart. So to make this go a little bit faster, I am usually... I've been caught preaching for 48 minutes to 50 minutes. And I'm, and I'm trying to shoot for, I told myself I'm going to shoot for 20 minutes today. 20 minutes today, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot so that we can get out in 35 minutes, alright? <laughs> alright, so this is how that, this can go. As in, you can, you can laugh at my jokes. If you don't laugh my, at my jokes, then I might add another five minutes. <laughs> but, but if you, but also, if I say something that, you know, it really speaks to you, you can say, amen, that's good. You can, you can speak to me because here's the thing. As much as I'm trying to lift you up with the word of God, I need you guys to lift me up, up here. And I'm, real, and I'm wanting that because here's the thing. God's word is heavy. God's word is, is filled with power. And I need each and every one of you. So, and I, so I remember one time I went to a church and I said this. I had, and I was like, ah, if you say these things, if you help me preach, then we can get out here faster. I had an older couple st- sitting in the front right here. And every word, every sentence I said, they were like, amen, amen, amen. I was like, maybe, I was like, maybe they want me to preach faster or they're really wanting to get out faster or what. I was like, I don't know. But then they came up to me after and said, Jeff, thank you for your sermon. I really appreciated it. I really, I really heard God today. So I'll be honest with you. I'm a little nervous um, because my girlfriend is here. Um, she's sitting in the front. Um, this is uh, my girlfriend, Pastor Katie Langley. She's so much. She is so much better than me at preaching and teaching. She's so much better at it. And then I have one of my other great friends, Pastor Danny Kilgore. She uh, she is a pastor at Marin Covenant, right down the street from us. And she came today to to come hang out with us. So if you guys have an opportunity, get to know them right after this. So let's go ahead and pray and get started. Dear God, I just pray right now, God, that you quiet our minds, you quiet our hearts, and you quiet our souls, that we can hear what you have to say to us, that we can feel what you have to say to us. 
and that we can experience what you have to say to us. And God, I just pray for myself, God, that it is not me that is speaking, but it is you. God, that you speak through me, that is less of me and more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I was a track runner in high school, and I did everything that you could imagine with track. I did hurdles, I did pole vaulting, I did 400, I did the 800, I did the 4x4, I did the 4x8, I did the long jump, high jump, long jump. I did everything you could imagine in track. I remember in ninth grade, I was starting to do hurdles, and I got pretty good at it. I got so good at it that my coach asked me to this to go to this invitational on a Saturday. So if you don't know anything about invitationals about track, with track is that you go to you go to this big track meet that has hundreds of people, hundreds of different athletes from different schools. Only the best of the best got to go. And I was excited. This was my first one. I was ready to go. I just, I got good at hurdles. I'm ready to show the world what I got. And I remember warming up to, to do my hurdle, to do the hurdle race, the 300 hurdle, 300 meter hurdle, hurdle race. And I remember my coach came up to me. He said, Jeff, you are positioned to win your race. Jeff, you are positioned to beat everyone else. You are positioned to, to break the school record. I was like, yes, this is great. I am positioned to win. I am positioned to break the school record. I am positioned to do well. And I was so excited. I was pumped up. I was like, I was like, yes. And then I got to the starting line. And I remember the, um, the starter saying, runners, on your mark, get set, go. And I went. It only takes five, four to five steps to get to the first hurdle. So I got, I got to my fourth step, and I was ready to hurdle. I was ready to get over that hurdle and keep going because I was positioned to win. I was positioned to beat everyone else. I was positioned to break the school record. And I remember going and not getting over the hurdle. I hit the hurdle and I fell. I was on the ground. Now I'm not positioned to win. Now I'm not positioned to break the school record. Now I'm not positioned where I was supposed to be at. I didn't envision myself on the ground. But I remember my, I remember my coach, she's up here, she's right there. Your husband is here. (laughs) He was looking, (laughs) he was looking. But (laughs) I was, I was on the floor, but I heard my coach on the sideline saying, get up, Jeff. 
get up and go. In my head, I was like, I'm embarrassed. I just hit the hurdle. I fell on the ground. How am I supposed to get up? What am I supposed to do? I'm embarrassed. I'm, my feelings are hurt. I, I felt like I couldn't get up. But I heard, again, I heard my coach saying, get up, Jeff. Get up. And I finally got up. And I finished the race. Surprisingly, I caught someone. And they were still, you know, <laughs> surprisingly, I caught someone. But I got up and I finished the race. And I remembered my teammates waiting for me at the finish line. They didn't say, good job, Jeff. They didn't say, good job, Jeff, for getting up. They didn't say, Jeff, you did it. You finished the race. No, they laughed at me. <laughs> they waited at the finish line to laugh at me because I hit the hurdle. And I said, you know, I bet you guys can't do it. <laughs> but but that's, that's my story, is that I was positioned somewhere. I envision myself being first. But a hurdle got in my way. I got I got tripped up. And but that's okay. My coach told me to get up. And I got up and I got to finish the race. And that was and that was more than anything that I could have asked for. And that's sometimes our lives, our Christian lives. It's, that it's not about being first. It's not about always doing the right thing. But it's about getting up when we have hit a hurdle. And finishing the race that God has called us to finish. So, I want to go ahead and read our verse. No, not verse of the day, but... I want to give us our three points. My title today is called Get Up. And my three points is get up and have faith. Get up and pick up your faith. And three, get up and show faith. I want to read those again. It says, I said, first point is get up and have faith. Second one is get up and pick up your faith. And three... Get up and show faith. So today I am going to read out of John 5, verse, John 5, verses 1 through 15. So bear with me. So some, so some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is, a, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic, Aramaic is called Beth, Bethesda, <clears throat> and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. 
when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Some some translations, like the ESV says, Jesus asked him this, do you want to get healed? And then the invalid replied, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who, who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. I always wondered why, when I preach, why do I pick parables or why do I pick Jesus' miracles? So I remember going in college, learning about what miracles were. So a miracle, it is a, a miracle. This is a definition of a miracle. It is, it is a place in time where God intercedes to bring glory and others to him. So this man that was laying on a mat for 38 years, was waiting for his miracle. He was waiting for something to happen. He put, he positioned himself to be in a place where miracles happen. So if you don't know, the, the pool of Bethesda had a superstitious superstition to it. It says that legend had it that an angel would come down into the pool and stir up the water, meaning it would rise up. The first person into the pool after the stirring of the water was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted with. So they believed once the water would stir up, meaning that they would rise up and go and be healed. Why is that such an important part to this? 
is that these people positioned themselves for a miracle that only happened once or twice a year. But in this, but in this story, not in the story, but in this, we have Jesus, in this verses, we have Jesus, the miracle worker. Because if you don't know, in chapter 4 of John, we have Jesus starting to perform his miracles. We start to see Jesus bringing glory to God's name and bringing others closer to him. So, the, so, <clears throat> so you have in the verse, it says, when Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And he says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. This reminded me of a story in Genesis. At the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit. When, G- when God came to Adam asking, what have you done? What did Adam say to God? He blamed someone else. He blamed Eve. This is a situation that is happening in this story right now. As in I believe if Jesus, is, if Jesus and God is asking you a question, that means he already knows the answer. He already knows the answer. As an Adam was saying, hey, it wasn't me, God. It was her that tricked me into eating this fruit. And this man is giving excuses of why He hasn't been healed yet. But Jesus wasn't asking for excuses. Jesus wasn't asking... Wasn't asking if he actually wanted to be healed. He just wanted to see what would the man say. Even in the even in his answer, you could hear that he wanted to be healed. He said, but no one picked me up and took me with them. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. This kind of leads into my first point. It says, get up and have faith. As in, this man could feel in his body that he was cured but it takes faith to get up because sometimes we because sometimes in our lives we've hit a hurdle and we have God telling us you can do it I am here but we have in our heads that we're too embarrassed to get up that we can't get up. That we're just telling ourselves that we can't get up. But we have God 
on our side telling us, hey, you've been healed. You haven't embarrassed yourself. You haven't let down anyone. I just want you to finish the race. I just want you to get up to know that you can finish this race and that there is another race to come. So real fast, I talk about position. I talk about miracles. I talk about how the man had to position himself to receive a miracle. He positioned himself at the pool of Bethesda. He knew if he could get there, he would be healed. So sometimes in our lives, we are in great positions to receive a miracle, to receive healing, to receive God's glory. But if we go back to the definition of a miracle, it is a place in time where God intercedes to bring glory and others to him. So that miracle was not only for the man on the mat. I want to show you guys something real fast. That's why I brought a mat, not for me to take a nap on stage or for any of you guys to take a rest, but I want you guys to see what happens when God, when Jesus has done a miracle. As in, we have the man laying on the floor If you can see me, it's great. If you can't see me, I'm proving a point. As in, he is on the floor right now, waiting, positioning himself for something to come. But then we have in the story Jesus coming to him and saying, do you want to be healed? He said, yes. He's looking at the pool, but he's missing that Jesus is in front of him. That he is missing that Jesus is in front of him. So we have a man that is positioned on the floor. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says to him, Get up and pick up your mat. Now, he gets up. And now he has faith. Because here's the thing. When we have faith, then all of a sudden we have a testimony. Now we have a story to tell others. But that's not the story. That's not the only story. How could, tell, how could they tell that this man just got up and that he had faith? He had to pick up his mat. This is hard. It's okay. He didn't have a nice mat like me. But he picked up his mat. Why did Jesus tell him to pick up his mat? It was because this is where he has been lying on the ground for 38 years. This is his story. Just imagine 40 years. 40 years. That's almost half a lifespan. Just imagine him picking up his mat. 
those who could not see me on the floor, it's because I had changed my position for you guys to see. Jesus changed the man's position for you, for others to see. Because here's the thing. At the pool of Bethesda, there were colonnades. Five colonnades. That is people gathering together. People who had disabilities that couldn't move, that couldn't see, that couldn't hear. But people would ask, wait, 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 wait. Why didn't Jesus heal the other people? Why did Jesus heal this this one man? Because this man was positioned for a miracle, for God's glory to shine, for God, for others to bring, for others to see. Because, because I don't believe that Jesus only healed this one man. Because if you hear, if you go in more into the story, it says, the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Just imagine. Because there wasn't, there was colonies, but there wasn't a crowd yet. Just imagine that if I changed my, if the man changed his position, what did the others see? That they saw a man on the floor. They saw enough, they saw Jesus tell him to get up to pick up his mat, to pick up his story, to pick up his testimony that he has been there for 38 years. I think about the idea of of stirring of stirring up, of welling up. We go into, and before, before in chapter 4, Jesus talks to the Samaritan lady. It says, let me find it real fast. It says that the Samaritan lady is at the wall trying to get some water, and Jesus asks her, what happens if I can give you water that is everlasting? She's like, there's no such thing. But Jesus says, basically says, I am the living water that can wells up inside and pours out into eternal life, that can turn to eternal life. Just imagine that the pool of Bethesda stirs up, wells up, and overflows. And Jesus himself is saying to the Samaritan lady a chapter before, I have water. It is me that if that it wells up inside and overflows. This is where I go into my next point. It says, get up and show faith. 
as in the moment we have faith in Christ. The moment we decide to pick up our stories, pick up and hold true to what God has done in our own lives. We can get up and show faith. As in the living water that is living inside of us starts to well up, starts to stir up inside of us. Now, now, others can see. Others can start being healed as well. I, because on Saturday, I texted Pastor Tim, and I was like, hey, my grandmother passed. And he asked, are you okay to preach on Sunday? And for a hot minute, I thought, you know, no, I can't. I don't think I could. I don't think I, I can get through it. But that's okay. But I realized something. I realized that I had to get up and show faith. To show that God is still a good God. That it's not okay to stay on the mat. Yes, my grandmother dying is a hurdle that I'm going to have to get over. But it doesn't mean that I have to stay down. That I could get up and still finish the race that God has called me to do. And he has called me here to you guys to tell you and show you faith. So, I think I'm about I'm about ending. Pastor Tim, you want to come up? <laughs> I'm about ending, you guys. This idea of changing positions so that we can show others faith. Because we think about the idea of changing positions for others to see. We have Adam and Eve, where God changed their position from the Garden of Eden to outside the Garden of Eden. But he changed the position because if they stayed in the Garden of Eden, they were surely to die. Because you cannot stand in the presence of God if you're not righteous. And so he changed their position so that they could live And so that they could find hope and faith. And then we have Moses. God changes Moses' position from an orphan to being in the king's court, in the Pharaoh's court. Changed his position from Pharaoh court to a murderer. He murders someone. But then, but then, God changes Moses' position again from a murderer to a man that is setting the Israelites free, leading them to freedom, into, he didn't lead them into the freedom, to the promised land, but he was there. He got close. 
But he was there. He led them. He changed his, that God changed their position because they had to get up. Then you have David, a shepherd boy. God changed his position to king. And now we get to be exemplified, example, like we can see David's, David's faith. David was a man after God's own heart. Just imagine if we could be called that. Just imagine if we could be called people after God's own heart. And then you have Simon Peter. Simon Peter decides, Simon Peter was on the boat with Jesus, and Jesus said he just, Simon Peter was just a fisherman. Just a fisherman, just going on the boat, catching fish every day. That's all he did. But Jesus changed his position to fisher of men. Just imagine God changing our positions. That he changed Simon Peter's position from denying him three times to being a pinnacle to Christian faith today. Just imagine a man going on the road to Damascus to kill Christians. This man was called Saul. And on the road to Damascus, God changed his position again. He was changed from a murderer of Christians to apostle, to an apostle of Christ. Changed his position to leading us to most of the, to the most of the books written in the Bible. From murderer to affecting Christian faith until this day. And then we have Jesus Christ himself changing his position from the seat next to God to a baby on earth to human as with us. And then... And then changing his position from walking with us to dying for us. Dying for us on the cross. He changed his position. And then, and then, they lay, then they laid Jesus Christ to rest. But that wasn't the last position that he changed. He rose again. He got up. Because of the power of God that was within him, rose him from the dead so that he could change our position from being dead to alive, from being outside the family of God to being into the family of God, being adopted into the family of God. Why did this really get to me? Why did I say this title, Get Up. Why is Get Up so important to me? Because I know most of you guys know my dad died. My dad, my dad died and it shook my world. After my dad died, I was on the mat. I was on the floor. 
because I didn't know how traumatic it could be to see my dad die right in front of my eyes, because that's what happened. I was in the hospital room when he took his last breath. At 7.02 p.m. October 5th, that's when he passed. I saw him take his last breath. And that put me on the mat for a very long time. And then I heard God tell me, Jeff, get up. I said, God, I can't. I don't even like you right now. I don't even want to talk to you right now. But you're telling me to get up? Why do you want me to get up for? I can be here all day and feel bad about myself. I don't have a dad anymore. But then God told me to get up and said to me, even though you lost your heavenly, even though you lost your earthly father, you still have a heavenly father in me. And I decided to get up from the mat, pick up my mat, and go. I picked up my faith, and I decided to show my faith. In the past seven months, I got to speak to over two, almost 2,000 students. I got to preach at over eight, about eight churches to tell them about Christ. And that was because I decided to get up and tell them about Jesus Christ. So before we end, I want to ask a question this morning. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to get up from your mat? I don't know what mat you're laying on this week or in your life, but do you want to get up and be healed? Because here's the thing. God does some crazy things, and he's asking some of you to get up. Because he has other people in your life, at work, at home, or whatever you do during your week. He's asking you to get up so that you can show them your faith in him. So real fast, before they go and do worship, I want to ask, ask you guys to close your eyes real fast. Close your eyes. And I'm going to ask some people to step out in the faith. Because here's the big thing, as in, because to have faith, you have to get up. To show faith, you have to get up. To pick up your faith, you have to get up. So if you want to get up this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand up. No one's looking. I promise you, no one's looking. Do you want to get up this morning? I see you. Do you want to get up and be healed this morning? Do you want to get up and be healed this morning? I'm asking, do you want to get up and be healed this morning? I'm asking if you 
want the power of Jesus Christ to live inside of you so that you can go and show others, people, who he is in your life. Because here's the thing, we all have stories to tell. We all have faith walks to go tell others. And I just want to say that if you decide to get up this morning, you will be healed because God does not lie. He does not hold empty promises. If you want to be healed, this is not your last opportunity, but it is a opportunity. Be healed this morning. Get up and take your mat. And real fast, real fast, I want everyone to open your eyes. There's people in here that have been healed this morning and want to show other people about their faith. But, Pastor Tell, I'm so sorry, but um, I, I want to do something. If you're surround, if you're someone, if you're near someone that is standing, don't lay hands on them, but put, stretch out a hand and let's pray for them together. Is that okay? Let's all stand and put your hands around someone. Put your hands towards someone that is standing. Dear God, I just pray right now, God, that there is people in here that stood this morning, stood this morning and decided that they wanted to be healed. They wanted to show their faith to others. They wanted to pick up their faith. And they decided to get up and be healed. And God, I just say thank you for who you are. And God, I just pray right now, God, that you lead them in this way. God, that you lead them and you show them, you guide them what it looks like to be healed. And here's what Jesus said when he found the man that t- that he told to get up, he said, Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. I encourage each and every one of you that stood to, to heed what Jesus has said. Stop sinning and do what he has said it called you to do. And Jesus name, amen.